I'm Megan King. And I'm Sydney Bordignaw, and this is The Curve. Welcome to The Curve, a Canadian-born podcast series following the latest on the COVID-19 crisis. Each episode will look at the indirect effects that this pandemic has had on Canada and the world. Due to social distancing regulations during the pandemic, all interviews have been recorded via Zoom or phone call. This may affect the audio quality of certain interviews. We believe that this accurately reflects the daily challenges of working from home that many Canadians are facing during this time. Today's episode will discuss gender-based violence during the pandemic. Recent data suggests that there has been a rise in domestic abuse and social distancing restrictions have been put in place. With people spending more time at home, fewer opportunities to seek help arise. We were able to talk to a representative from ANOVA, a London, Ontario-based organization that provides safe places, shelters, support, counselling and resources for abused women, their children and all oppressed individuals. We talked to Allison, ANOVA's public education coordinator, to find out more about how the centre is doing during the pandemic and to seek advice for those currently being victimised. Hi Allison, thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So uh, we're currently living in a time where social distancing has become mandatory for health and safety reasons. Working with ANOVA, what concerns does social distancing bring to many women who seek your services? Yeah, so social distancing gives us uh, a few concerns. Um, We know that isolation is a tactic that a lot of abusers use to maintain power and control over their victims. And so when that isolation is sort of socially mandated for public health reasons, it can become even harder to spot because we're all living isolated lives right now. It's harder to see when someone's living in isolation uh, because of abuse rather than because of COVID. What resources can many women turn to during this time? Has there been any major efforts by the government to support? There has been funding announced by the government to support gender-based violence initiatives. Um, My understanding is that the details surrounding that have been a little bit slow to filter through. I think that that's pretty typical for uh, new funding that gets announced from the government. But there has definitely been a commitment, at least thus far, to to really support efforts around gender-based violence because we know that during during crises in general, gender-based violence tends to increase. And during this crisis in particular, we're, we're already seeing the impact of that. Yes. Uh, one thing that we did see for sure, at the time of us speaking, the Globe and Mail is reporting that during this pandemic, at least nine women and girls have been killed in domestic homicides across Canada. Many Canadians online are expressing that they're shocked by these cases. Do you view these statistics as shocking? Unfortunately, this was something that we did um, sort of see coming in some ways. So domestic homicides, um, homicides where uh, someone was killed by their intimate or former partner, have been studied really in depth in Ontario since the early 2000s. And what we know is that there are a lot of high risk factors for domestic homicide. And some of those involve abusers who are unemployed or underemployed, abusers who are depressed or have other mental health issues, and victims who are isolated. And we can see that kind of confluence of events occurring right now when there's huge unemployment happening, when there's huge isolation happening, and when there are huge mental health challenges happening. So unfortunately, we're not that surprised that um, rates of domestic homicide have been increasing because we know that the conditions are just sort of ripe for that right now. Has Nova seen an increase in calls since people have been in quarantine then? 
we haven't seen an increase in calls. And this is something that we, we weren't sure which way this would go. Um, and so what we think is happening is typically people would call us when they sort of have a minute, you know, they're out doing grocery shopping, they're out doing a, a child run pickup, and they have a minute away from their abusers to call. And right now when you're isolating at home with an abuser, you don't really have, you don't really have that time to call um, because your abuser is there all the time. And so what we've seen is an increase in calls from people wanting to support someone else who they're worried about is maybe experiencing is in abuse, but um, a decrease in calls from people who themselves are saying that they're being abused. So would you say it's especially important to be aware of domestic violence during this pandemic then? Absolutely. I think with, um, with society kind of under lockdown, the people who are going to be seeing the abuse happening are the ones who still have access into those homes, whether that's grandparents or um, teachers, people who are connected through those kind of unofficial means, um, doctors doing virtual visits, friends doing sort of virtual distancing play dates maybe. Those are the people who are, who are going to be able to, to see into the homes right now. And so making sure people know what domestic violence looks like and feel equipped to sort of spot that, I think is really important. So what signs or signals should people be looking out for then? Are there anything in particular that can help people recognize um, signs of domestic abuse? Yeah, there are a number of sort of risk factors that we can think about in terms of people reporting that, um, you know, maybe their partner has been sort of on edge lately, that things haven't been uh, running as smoothly in the house, people have been really stressed. And then those are opportunities to, to just ask some more questions, you know, be curious about that because lots of us have been on edge lately. I think most of us have been quite stressed, but if we're listening for opportunities to, to ask further questions, we can open the door to, to find out if what's going on is sort of typical or if maybe there's something else going on. Most definitely. And what would you like to say to any listeners who may be experiencing uh, domestic violence or to those who are concerned about a loved one during this time? I think it's really important to remember that our services are still operating. Our services are essential. Our shelters are open. Um, our crisis line is 24-7. And so there is still help available to you. And we're doing everything we can to keep our shelters as safe as possible. We have social distancing in place. We have um, personal protective equipment available for our staff. So we really are working quite hard to make sure that we're following all the guidelines from the Ministry of Health and from our local health officials so that you don't have to worry uh, about putting your safety at risk or putting your health at risk in order to you know, choose to protect yourself from abuse. I think that that's really important to know. So there is help available. If someone reaches out to a colleague, a friend or anything like that about domestic abuse, are there certain steps that that person should take to be precautionary and make sure that they're relaying that information to the right people? I think that it's important before you do kind of a deep dive into those conversations, making sure that it's safe to have those conversations. So asking, you know, is your partner around right now or, or are you alone? Because if their partner's around, you, you don't wanna be asking those kind of prodding questions that can be dangerous for the person. 
and then just make sure that you kind of know what to do with the information. So whether you're reaching out to ANOVA for some help with safety planning or whether you feel like you have to reach out to the police if things are really seeming quite dangerous, if someone's at immediate risk of harm, feeling comfortable taking those steps, knowing that that's what's safest for the person at the time. Well, thank you so much for talking to us and educating about this, Allison. We greatly appreciate it, and it's it's a it's a tough time for all, and we're just uh, glad that you can let people know that they do have options here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. After speaking with Allison from Inova about the rise in domestic violence during the pandemic, we spoke with Barbara McQuarrie, Community Director for the Center for Research and Education on Violence Against Women and Children at Western University about the relation between gender-based violence and working from home. Here's what Barbara had to say. Across Canada, we are beginning to understand that what I'll call domestic violence, so violence that happens within the family primarily, it's usually between intimate partners, does impact the workplace. It impacts the workplace in terms of productivity. People who are experiencing domestic violence for all kinds of reasons are not able to be as productive. It impacts workplace safety where you have abusive partners or ex-partners uh, showing up at work, threatening not just their, their partner or ex-partner, but others in the workplace. It could be customers, clients, co-workers. So now that we've all moved, well, not all, but many of us are, are working from home, you've got situations where people are trying to work and they're enclosed with somebody who's being abusive to them. So Canada has a, a patchwork of occupational health and safety legislation. Each jurisdiction, each province, and each territory has their own occupational health and safety legislation. And then federally regulated employees are, are regulated under another occupational health and safety regime, which is the Canada Labor Code. Ontario was the very first jurisdiction to recognize specifically domestic violence is a workplace occupational health and safety hazard. Other jurisdictions have followed suite. So explicitly we have Alberta, we have New Brunswick, and we have the federal government that have said, it, it's clear, we understand that domestic violence is an occupational health and safety hazard. That means that it doesn't really matter where you are in Canada, it doesn't really matter whether or not your legislation or your regulations have said anything ex explicitly about domestic violence. If something happens to your employee, you still have that duty of care as an employer. So. What I'm giving you is the legal reason why domestic violence remains a concern and a responsibility for employers, even when their employees are working from home. Now, beyond those legal responsibilities and those legal obligations, you have the same concerns about how can somebody be productive when they're experiencing abuse. And then you have the moral and the ethical and, and just the human concern of uh, people that you work with. You want to know that they are, are okay. Their well-being is important to us. So for all of those reasons, it's, it, domestic violence is very much a concern for employers during COVID-19. Is there anything that employers can do to help either manage workplace violence or even create an open space or a comfortable space where employees will feel safe approaching them about this? 
there's a lot that employers can do. There, there's a lot. And there's some employers that have been exemplary in this. Now, it is an emerging area for employers. And so many employers haven't been well prepared, even though uh, in Ontario, it's, it's a decade now that we've had legislation that tells employers they have this duty of care uh, for their employees. I think for employers who have already started this work, it's going to be much easier. So that would be employers who have a policy and the policy will lay out. We will support employees who are experiencing domestic violence and here's the ways that we will do this. So some of the most important components of that support would be to be able to assess the risk. Now, I know that employers are not experts in domestic violence, but they can partner with community-based experts like women's shelters. So if the employee themselves is willing, they can even partner with the police to do a risk assessment. And then they can develop a safety plan for that employee. So it doesn't matter if that employee is in an off-site workplace and in a mobile workplace, in a home-based workplace, or you know, in a head office someplace, you need that safety plan. The other piece that we have now, um, and this is in jurisdictions, again, all across Canada, are provisions for leave. Most provisions, and certainly Ontario has provisions for paid leave for any employees who are experiencing domestic violence. So they're entitled to every year, five years of paid leave, and there's provisions for additional time off that's unpaid if that's needed. Um, and that could be if somebody needs to relocate, find a new place that's safe for them and maybe them and their children, or if they need to go and get legal advice, or if they need to go and get counseling support, then they can do that without um, losing income. And so related to that, we know that anybody who's experiencing domestic violence, it's critically important that they maintain their job, that they maintain their income, if they're going to be able um, to live autonomously and live safely. And are there any signs or signals that people should look out for to recognize what gender-based violence looks like? Yes, there are. There are there are lots. And again, because of the times we're in and with all of our physical distancing, it can be more difficult to recognize those signs. But still things like we're we're all a little bit isolated right now, or we're all isolated and at least physically. But if somebody is, seems to be isolated and seems not to be able to spend time with friends or not be able to communicate easily with friends or families or, or co-workers either, that's a warning sign. Somebody who's just more isolated than the situation calls for is a, is a really big warning sign. Um, you know, the pandemic is hard on mental health for many of us. But if somebody seems really withdrawn and really upset and really afraid, try to check out, is it because of what's happening with the pandemic or is it something going on in their relationship? And again, try to do that in a way that's, that's safe. If you're on a Zoom call, and this could be through work or it could be socially, and somebody appears very nervous, very anxious, um, not free to talk, if there are children who seem anxious and afraid, that could be a warning sign. Again, you want to be able to check these out because of what's going on. There could be other, um, other explanations. If you're trying to meet up with somebody, it could be for a physical distance meeting or in person, or it could be a, 
uh, a meeting online and somebody consistently misses the appointment, never can seem to meet with you and, and the excuses don't seem reasonable or they, they, they don't seem to, to hold together, that could be a warning sign. During this time, it may be more difficult than usual for people in these situations to reach out and seek the help that they need. If you are in need of assistance in Ontario, you can call the Assaulted Women's Helpline at 1-866-863-0511. They can also be reached through their website at www.awhl.org. For resources available all across Canada, please visit endingviolencecanada.org. With these organizations in mind, you should be able to connect with where you need to be connected. Thank you to Allison from Inova and Barbara from Western University for bringing light to this very important issue.